Hello and welcome to another episode of the Leo Alves podcast and in today's podcast episode I have a guest who's been on twice before if I'm not wrong so this is a free Pete now and uh, and it's always been a fun chat and I thought you know what I'd invite him on again so if you've listened to most of my podcast episodes chances are you've already heard him introduce himself before uh, but you know assuming maybe you haven't then maybe we could do like a, a 60 second summary of you know who you are as well and uh where maybe where you're from what you do and then uh i guess we'll just go from there yeah sounds good i'm happy to be on for the third time and hopefully it's as fun as the first two but i have no doubts um so i'm Aswad. i'm 26 i'm currently um, a data scientist and mathematician within the consultancy slash life science space and i'm quite heavily involved in fitness um music sports in general and I like to look into things in the philosophical side or the sociological side sometimes. Um, I try to think of how it links to real life and, and using like a mathematical mindset and all that kind of stuff. But I try to keep it as human as possible when I, when I talk about things. Um, I've been going to the gym for around, I think this is my sixth year now. So I've been around the gym environment for a little while and, you know, I've trained in different ways currently working towards the strength side of things. Um, I may dabble in some powerlifting later on if my shoulder heals up, but uh, we'll see how that goes. And yeah, just um, really enjoy fitness, talking about fitness and other areas of fitness that are less um, spoken about, such as, you know, sociological and philosophical elements of it and um, the feeling side of it as well. And a bit more of a deeper dive into science or at least um, a scientific way of thinking and that's mostly what I'm about for the most part. Yeah, I like to do a bunch of other things as well, as we've spoken about on the pod before. Yeah, so, yeah. yeah. You, you've got, uh, you've got. There's a lot there that you, you know, we could probably dive down a variety of routes. But um, one thing that yes. you mentioned, so, so wait. First of all, what happened to your shoulder? Um, that's a good question. I actually don't fully know what happened. So, I first injured it um February last year. Um, I was playing basketball and I was hanging on the rim and I kind of was I was spinning around as I was holding on and instead of letting go like a normal person I thought I could kind of um, stabilize myself and I think I, I messed up something in my rotator cuff or something like that mm. and then it was pretty much fine for the year and then in December um, one day I was just benching and I was a relatively lightweight compared to my mats so it was a warm-up and my shoulder just kind of gave out on me and since then, it's just been hurting quite, hurting quite a lot. And I'm trying to figure out what it is. And I probably will call the doctor at some point soon because I think it's it's gone to that stage where I need an expert opinion on it. But um, I'm still able to do some exercises, which is, I guess, a fun thing to talk about, you know, how to work around injuries. Because we spoke about this last time, actually. Yeah, yeah, we did. I was about to, I felt like, yeah, we definitely did. Yeah, so ironically, I'm in that position now. <laughs> um, I don't know, maybe I should have shut up at the time, but... <laughs> Um, yeah, I'm still able to do some exercises, um, like hex presses, which I've never really been a fan of until the injury came. And um, I can still do lateral raises and stuff like that. So I can work around the injury, but there are certain exercises, like a bench press or push-ups, which um, induce a lot of pain. So I'm able to work around it, but I can't do certain exercises, which is quite frustrating, especially for um, the powerlifting route, because mm. um, you compete with squats, um, bench and deadlift and I literally cannot bench press at the moment so I'm kind of just um, a lower body warrior for now mm. um, but yeah hopefully it heals up soon I've been doing my rehab I've been eating my protein and 
and resting, getting my water in, moving around. So yeah, hopefully it heals soon. But yeah, 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 yeah. So I've uh, obviously I don't want to speak about this too much, just because we 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 dove deep into it last time. Um, yeah. but, you know, one of the things I would say is, uh, yeah, I've had a, a shoulder injury before. This was when I was a teenager, and it carried on until, yeah, no, it was throughout like. I think 17 18 19 and i remember at the time it really bothered me and i did end up getting physiotherapy on it and that did help and then i i was just like i don't i asked i almost asked myself i don't understand why it took so long to get physiotherapy uh, because before i was getting sent back and forth between um within the nhs and then i kind of just decided to uh just maybe ch- uh, find my own physio uh, go private and, and that really helped but uh, yeah so I, i've been there before is basically what i'm saying and yeah, you know, I think it's awesome to see that you're still going with your training. But I guess it's like you are someone who's been training so consistently for so long that it'd probably be weird if you stopped completely. Um, so there's that. But um, I think a lot of people as well, you know, they maybe would injure a certain body part, whether it's their shoulder or their knee, which often tends to be the most common. And and then they'll just stop completely. Like they'll just do nothing. Yeah. And, you know, there's always something that we can still do. And I think, you know, and, and you're the perfect example of that. So, you know, props to you for still going, bro. And uh, I, I know you probably don't need someone to tell you that, but yeah, it, it is good when, you know, so many people will, will stop at some sort of obstacle. And, it, and it, it would probably be a valid reason if you did stop. But um, yeah, no, there is still a lot you can do. And I guess it's just one of those things where you kind of said as well, where uh, if someone gets an injury, it's more like those first few maybe weeks even, or maybe days, maybe even weeks, you could say, are going to be like more of a trial and error to see which exercises you can and can't do. And then right. once you've figured out which exercises you can do, kind of build your program around that whilst, you know, uh, rehabilitating your, your shoulder and then or, where, or wherever your injury is. And then eventually, yeah, it'll, it'll, be, it'll be good again. And if anything, and you know what, this might be good for you to hear and it's probably hard to appreciate this now, but what I went through when I had my shoulder injury, and I think this could be quite an important point to bring up, um, is within the moment it's like really frustrating because you're like damn like i really injured my shoulder like i was making great progress in x y and z and i you know i i can't really progress in these exercises like it's it's holding me back and it's very easy to think of it in that way but now i look back like if anything it's actually i think it actually made me a better coach yeah i can imagine that and and you know maybe i know you're not a coach which is why i like speaking to you as well because you know, I think sometimes if you only speak to other coaches, it can, uh, you know, you want to speak to a variety of people. And that's why I, I like speaking to you a lot. Uh, but I think even just maybe for yourself, I think one day, you know, I, I don't know for sure, but you might look back and feel like it it could even make you smarter with your training in some way. Absolutely. And I think that's that's part of, that's probably one of my favorite things to talk about in fitness. It's how to kind of view things mentally, you know, because it, and I'm guessing a lot of beginners slash early early intermediates will be will be listening. Um, injuries will happen, you know. If you're pushing yourself and you're trying to extract the most out of your body and your mind is to a certain extent, um, injuries will happen, setbacks will happen. But the cliche thing is, it's not really how you get knocked down; it's how you bounce back. And it's more or less the same thing. And yeah, it's, it's, it is important to remind yourself that um, whilst you are injured, there are things you can do, as you said, and Sometimes you do need that encouragement. For example, you just told me that I'm doing a good job. I mean, you may not think that I that I need something like that, but you know, when you're progressing at, a, at an almost exponential rate, and then one day you you can no longer move your shoulder, that's definitely um, 
frustrating is probably an understatement, especially when you're trying to compete and things like that. So yeah, encouragement and just acknowledging that sometimes injuries will happen. But the most important thing is, I guess, being adaptable and, and bouncing back, being disciplined and trying to find um, small pockets of joy within your training. So mm-hmm. now, for example, now that my shoulder's busted, I mean, now I guess I could squat three times a week again, like I used to when I was at university, or maybe I can deadlift twice a week. And who knows, my numbers for my squat and deadlift might shoot up. And then whilst I'm doing my rehabilitation, I might come back even stronger. Or it gives me a good opportunity to to work on different things. For example, now I'm doing cardio um, 30 minutes after each session. And I'm noticing the benefits outside of the gym as well. And maybe if I didn't injure my shoulder, I'd still be in that mentality of trying to push my numbers as high as possible. Whereas now that I have to take a step back, I have to think, oh, what is my why? You know, what am I what am I actually training for? Am I trying to be the strongest person I can be? Am I trying to be as healthy as possible? Or am I just trying to be active? Is it for my mental health? And once you answer those questions, injuries are still very frustrating, but you know how to work around them. And you'll still feel like you're making progress, even though there are certain things you can't do. And I think that's something I like to think about every time I get injured or if there's a setback in gym or in life or or whatever I'm doing. So yeah, it's definitely interesting to think about. Um, on top of that, it's it's like a stoic philosophy kind of thing that people talk about a lot nowadays. But just focusing on what you can control. You know, if your if your shoulder can't move, then you know your shoulder can't move. Um, you have to kind of work around it and try and do what you can. And once you start doing what you can, you've noticed you start to notice that you can do more than you could before. And eventually, if you focus on what you can control. Um, you'll you'll get stronger in other areas and when things are ready when time has passed and you've healed and everything you can start putting the numbers back on if that's what you want to do or if you just want to maintain a healthy level of mobility you can do that too but yeah just focus on the things you can control because there'll always be things that happen that you cannot control especially in the gym there's so many variables you know i see people walk into the gym and hurt themselves before they even start working out (laughs) these things kind of happen sometimes and you know, it's, I'm even fortunate to be able to work around it because, you know, there are some people who get injuries and they, they can't walk or they can't um, do certain things. So what I can control is what I can do with like, my lower body or certain um, movements in different planes and stuff like that. If I can control that, I will. And mm-hmm. training's been a lot more... Training's been a lot more high quality since I've I've fought in that way. Mm. Yeah, you know... I yeah I think you said a lot like uh, again there's a, a quite a few things were going through my mind there and and uh, this is this is definitely on topic and um like you know I just thought like as you were speaking about all of that you know I had a, a random flashback as well and I don't know why this came into my head when I was like in my early 20s I remember I was doing a, a temporary office job in Canary Wolf this was like soon after I graduated from university and I I was like I was uh, working on a in a temporary contract while I was trying to find something I, I really wanted to do long term, and it was in an office. And I'll never forget. This was when I was like having a like I, I had a, a knee injury. Like a, I wouldn't say it was like it, it was a it was enough where it stopped me from doing a lot of lower body exercises. Like it was really bothering me. And I remember I was going down uh, this this uh, this I guess like route of just like kind of like. Mm, I don't know if self-pity is the right word, but there was a lot of frustration. I was just like, ugh, again, every time I feel like I'm making great progress, I, you know, I just get this massive curveball now. And uh, and like, it, and like, why is my knee got to keep playing off again? And, you know, I hit a squat personal best as well. 
uh, not so long ago. Uh, I, th- I think it was like a month before that. And I was just like, damn, like I've got to stop again. And I'll never forget. I looked up when I was like get, going really down this, like uh, this just like, I guess, I guess very, what's, what's the word? Like just within my own thoughts or within my own head, I should say, I look up and, uh, and then I see someone in a wheelchair straight away, right in front of me. And I was just like, and I was just like, man, like I was really complaining about not being able to squat again and how my knee, you know, wasn't letting me do so, a certain lower body exercises. I look up and then I see someone in a wheelchair and I thought that was just a, that was a humbling experience for myself as well. And uh, I, I don't even know where I was really going with that, but it was just like a, just a, a random flashback I, I had to all of that. But, you know, based on everything you were just saying as well, I think what could be quite interesting to speak about, and I know you briefly mentioned this yesterday, but I guess... Uh, with you know with these curveballs when it comes to injuries it it, almost in a way and I have this discussion a lot with carers online members who are maybe maybe it's it's often around their nutrition more but it can definitely apply to training where it's more like uh, a discipline versus motivation sort of uh, uh, you know like uh, just just along those lines where I guess sometimes when someone's starting on their you know maybe with their training for the first time you know, they get very, they're very motivated, you know, it's a, it's a, maybe they've got a new plan, maybe they've got a new coach. And then I guess after a while, that motivation does undoubtedly wear off. And then they've got to start, I guess, relying on their maybe discipline more. And I guess that's, that's the case for you right now, perhaps. Uh, yes. Um, to be honest, when it comes to discipline versus motivation, I have some slightly, um, I wouldn't say conflicting views, but it's different. My views on discipline and motivation are slightly different to the average, you know, self-help guru slash fitness enthusiast slash gym bro, if you want to call it that. But in general, yes, I do believe that, um, you know, being disciplined will trump motivation um, most of the time. And I found myself in that position. Um, I do have to keep being disciplined. The motivation to bench, let's say, 160 kilograms has, has probably gone down a bit. But I know that if I get back to full health, I'll be able to do it. And the discipline side is just me um, turning up, doing my rehab, doing what I can. But at the same time, and this is going to sound a bit unusual, but I don't think we should um, act as if motivation isn't important. Um, Because, you know, a lot of people nowadays are saying, you know, discipline first, motivation is not important. But to an extent, I disagree because discipline will allow you to extract 100% because you're turning up and you're doing what you need to do. If you're disciplined and motivated, that will give you 110%. And that's the difference between someone who's disciplined, shows up and does what they need to do, and motivated. It's it's The difference is huge. And I found that motivation is, let's say you have your, your gym goer, they train five times a week, and they, they turn up, they're disciplined, they do everything they need to do, they hit all of their numbers, they communicate with their coach, their nutrition is on point. That person is very, very likely to hit their goals. Now, imagine that same person, but they're motivated as well. So they go home and they don't just do the work, they do more. You know, They read up by themselves, um, what supplements should I use or what supplements should I not use? In, in most cases, that's what it really is. Or what, how, what can I do to optimize my training? Or they watch their videos to try and see what they can do better. And they analyze their own performance. That is usually not part of the program. That's not part of a lot of people's um, regimen. But for someone who's disciplined so they turn up and they're motivated that person will go home after the gym session and look at their own videos for two hours three hours and try and see what they can be better but i think nowadays people talk about motivation as if it's this thing that's not important and it's fleeting and yes it is fleeting 
I definitely find that motivation is is it comes in waves, but taking advantage of that motivation is very important because again, discipline will give you one hundred percent. Discipline and motivation will give you one hundred and ten, and that extra ten percent is the difference between you reaching your goals in five years or maybe in three years. Or the difference is how much you enjoy the gym, for example, or enjoy what you're doing in life. So relating it back to my injury, yes, I've been disciplined and I've turned up and I've been training three to five times a week. But I'm very, very motivated to get back where I was before, which is what's allowing me to do that bit extra. So I think we, we talk about discipline as if it's the pinnacle, and I still believe it is. But for those who do not struggle with discipline, do your best to find motivation because motivation will take you that step further, which is what a lot of people are missing. Um, I'm guessing there are a lot of beginners slash intermediates, again, in the audience. So they may not have reached that level yet where discipline is locked in and their aim is to squeeze out a little bit out of their performance but for some who are listening it's probably quite important they may be asking i don't know why why i'm, I'm training five times a week my nutrition's on point and i'm hitting my protein i'm communicating with my coach and i'm still not reaching my goals maybe it's because you don't really want to do it as badly as you think you do maybe the discipline is taking you to the point where you can do the work but you might need to eke out a bit more motivation or find waves of motivation to do that bit extra and I think that's something that's not really spoken about very much because of, I guess, the modern space of self-improvement is now focused on discipline, which is a good thing. But don't sleep on motivation, man. Motivation is very important. It, and maybe the word motivation scares people off into thinking it's this fleeting thing. But if you think of motivation as your why or your incentive, if you replace the word motivation with why or incentive, it will start to make a lot more sense why motivation is quite important. Because if you're just turning up with no goal in mind, and you're being disciplined believe it or not it might not be enough mm. so yeah i definitely believe that finding a motivation or a a why or an incentive is, is just as important and right now my motivation or my incentive is to get my shoulder back to full health so that i can reach the goal that i wanted to reach for the year and even if i don't reach that goal i'll be motivated to do it again next year do it again and do it again and do it again because because i want to do it that's my motivation so to speak so I think they, they can feed into each other. They they don't have to be mutually exclusive. They can exist in the same space. And that's yeah. something I've been wrestling with because it's hard to articulate it. But that that's my views on it so far. And relating to my training, I'm motivated to get back. And I, I still want to bench 160 kilograms, even though I can't even do a push-up at the moment. So it's, that's that's kind of my my mentality towards it. I'm still disciplined, but I'm also motivated. And that will get me to my goals much faster than just being disciplined and turning up. Yeah, I think you I think you broke it down very well. Definitely not mutually exclusive. Like uh, they you know, they yeah, they, they definitely go together quite a lot. I find um yeah, I, I think a lot of uh yeah, it's getting quite popular to just speak down on motivation nowadays on social media, whereas it, it's it's as you said, it's still very important. And you know, I think the message the message I've often tried to communicate when people bring up this topic towards me or let's say KRS Online members or just someone who's, I don't know, sending me a message in the DMs is, um, or what I maybe try and, you know, get them towards the direction of understanding is that perhaps that, perhaps, you know, relying on motivation to hit you to just do something is often very rare. And, uh, and sometimes waiting just for motivation to hit us is, 
I guess why you know why people just don't end up starting. So oftentimes, this I guess it's like more of a, a discipline is required to initially just to to get you to start, and then eventually with, with on the back of that discipline, maybe even if you're consistent for like three weeks, you might you might find that on the back of three weeks, you notice some sort of result, whether it's you getting stronger or I don't know, like maybe you see your measurements are going in the direction you want them to. If you're trying to let's say lose weight, and that then is where motivation starts to come in. So yeah. yeah, they're definitely within the same bucket. And, you know, I I, I really liked what you said about how discipline is like um, 100%. Maybe not even like, obviously, I know you were just, you know, giving an example and I guess it wasn't really something you were giving much thought, but I would say like discipline is maybe like even like, a, it could be more like just showing up like 60 or 70% daily and then discipline and motivation is more like 110%. And I feel like that was really well said because, and this is, I was thinking of my own examples and I was thinking examples of Keros Online members. And the reason why I bring up Keros Online members a lot is because these are, you know, they're, they're the people I work with online and I'm interacting with them almost daily sometimes. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I'm always just a message away from a lot of them. And you can really see the difference where, you know, you've got some members who maybe they're going through a phase where they're a little bit less motivated and uh, and they're more relying on the discipline that they've built by now where, you know, they're just kind of like, if their goal is to work out three times a week, they'll get those three workouts done and, you know, they'll, they'll maybe track the calories if that's part of their goal. And, 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 you know, that, that might be it and maybe hit their steps too. But then if you've got someone who's going through a week where they're both disciplined and motivated, they might end up going like above and beyond on that week. They do a fourth workout, you know, they've maybe they've, they've walked comfortably over their goal instead of marginally, um, you know, they've hit not only calories, but they've hit their protein goal as well. And I find that's where, you know, where the, the combination of the two just gets very strong. And, and you do see those weeks, like you, you can just sometimes get that vibe just from the way they're speaking as well, when, you know, both are are high, uh, which isn't going to be every week. And to be honest, it's, it's probably, yeah, it, it might not even, even be every month, but yeah, it is a powerful time to just take advantage of everything you're trying to do. And and uh, when it goes to myself as well, I think one of my biggest goals, even for the past year, is that I'd be lying if it wasn't to, you know, is to, to grow a bigger business and or or just a, a stronger business, I could say. And when I'm, you know, let's say creating educational content, I would uh, I, maybe I'll set myself a target of like an an article, a podcast episode and maybe a YouTube video on a specific topic. And I'll just get that done. I'll probably don't feel like it. And there's been many times where I don't record, I record a podcast episode. I'm like, oh, I just don't feel like it right now. But you know what? I promised myself I do at least one every so often. Uh, but when I'm motivated, I'm like, like, I'm going to take advantage of this feeling right now. And I'm going to get, exactly. I'm going to do an extra 1000 words today for the article. I'm going to do a second YouTube video because why not? And, uh, and then the podcast episode, I might record a second one back to back because like, I'm really in the mood for it right now. So yeah, there, it is a powerful feeling and it, it's definitely not something, I don't know, people, you don't want to knock it. Like uh, they're, they're both. Exactly. exactly. I think, and because you're disciplined, you can leverage motivation better as well, which is, yeah. which is, I guess the whole essence of being disciplined in the first place is so you can take advantage of any situation that, that arises because you're disciplined, you're going to turn up. But yeah, see, that's a good example. You know, sometimes you're less motivated and that's okay, but you keep turning up. But then you're using motivation as as an advantage for when you want to do something a bit extra. And that becomes more and more important as you train for longer. Because as you know, the longer you train for, the less um, gains you receive by the end of each year, for example, just because of diminishing returns and approaching, you know, a saturation point or your natural limit. 
of course, we're nowhere near that because we haven't been trained for long enough to even get there. But as you receive less gains, you have to use that motivation as, as an advantage because discipline alone will get you close. But using those days where you feel a bit better and you're motivated or you watched a certain video that got you hyped, for example, you know, that could act, using that as your in as your advantage is is it's invaluable because it gets you closer to wherever you want to be long term as well, you know. If you think of, um, I don't know if you know the quote about getting 1% better every day, it's not completely sustainable because, as you know, diminishing returns. But if you do get 1% better every day, that's great. If you get 1% better every day and it compounds, even better. If you get 1% better every day and then you use those days to get 5% better on some days, it will com- that 5% will also compound alongside that 1%. And you'll be very surprised at how useful, let's say you're motivated 12 times a year. Those 12 times will add up. Because if you keep doing that every year, it will compound and you'll reach your goals much faster and you'll have more fun with it. So, yeah, it's definitely advantageous to use uh, motivation as, as, a, as a weapon for success, so to speak, when you're already disciplined as a prerequisite. Mm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, what about, and I guess this is going to cross over quite a bit. Obviously, this is a, another word that is often used when the terms motivation and uh, discipline get brought up. Often, willpower is a word that's included. Yeah, for sure. As well. Yeah, willpower. Now, again, this is a, another thing that I have quite um, interesting views on when it comes to willpower. Um, I think willpower, I don't want to call it overrated because that sounds a bit too controversial, but uh, willpower is important, but not in the way that I believe people think it is. Um, people talk about willpower in such a way that it's, you know, forcing yourself out of bed or, you know, um, taking yourself to the gym or taking yourself to, to work or something. And I think that's very, very, that's valuable. But I think uh, willpower should be treated as a, a reserve source, not your primary source. What I mean by that is if you have to constantly rely on willpower to get out of bed to go to the gym, then maybe the problem isn't that you're unmotivated or undisciplined. Maybe you need to prime your environment better to do so. And I think willpower takes a lot of energy, if we're being honest. You know, we've all been there when, you know, let's say it's raining outside, it's the middle of winter, um, and you just want to go, go, you have to go and work out because of your goals, but you, you have to use your willpower to get you there. That that's understandable, but if there's a day where you usually want to go to the gym, but something has happened, and now you have to use your willpower, that often means that either you know something's going on in your personal life, or you haven't primed your environment to be able to do what you need to do. Um, willpower takes up a lot of your brain capacity, I've noticed. So the aim is not to use willpower, not to rely on willpower, um, and use it for when it's absolutely necessary, because you want to use your brain capacity to do the work once you've already arrived, if that makes sense. Your willpower should be you making sure that you get all of your sets done at a decent time and, and everything like that. Your willpower shouldn't, you shouldn't use up all of your willpower at the start of the day, if that makes sense. Use it as a, an energy reserve that you that you tap into when you want to push a little bit harder or if you realize that you're, you've already turned up and you haven't been doing what you want to do. And I find that if you want to replace... Um, excessive use of willpower the best idea is to prime your environment for example it now is a good example actually obviously it's audio only but i'm already dressed to go and deadlift later 
because I know that when the pod is finished and I've been working all day and I've been eating pasta and those things that make me want to sleep, I'm already dressed for deadlifts. Therefore, when this pod finishes, I don't have to use my willpower as much to go and deadlift because I'm dressed for it. My bag is packed and it's at the door. The moment it finishes, I drink my water, I say my goodbyes and my thank yous. And I'm already halfway through the process of going to the gym to deadlift. I don't have to rely on willpower because I'm already in the prime environment to do so. It's actually hard to not go to the gym and deadlift now than it is to go to the gym and deadlift because I've already primed my environment. Whereas if I'm, you know, in my pajamas, in bed, you know, um, there's no light around me and stuff like that. Yes, it's more likely I'll need to use my willpower to go to the gym, for example. So I think, yeah, willpower is very important um, and it's a good um, energy source and you can treat it as an energy reserve that's very, very limited. But in general, I'd, I'd implore people not to rely too much on willpower to reach your goals. I'd rather you use your brain capacity to prime your environment and rely on willpower if necessary than to put yourself in such a position where you're not able to do anything without willpower. Because, you know, our brain capacity is limited at any given moment. You don't want to use all of your brain capacity just to be able to leave the house if you, if you can, you know. So, yeah, that's, that's, that's a big one that I found. Um, and yeah, it's just, it's, again, this is another thing that's quite hard to explain because, you know, within the space of like self-improvement and that includes with the gym and willpower seen as this, you know, um, strong source that helps you, you know, be more disciplined and motivated, which it is. But I think just priming your environment and being more intelligent about how you set things up is actually more important than relying on willpower. Um, another thing about willpower is if you actually enjoy what you're doing, you won't necessarily have to rely on willpower as much on average because it will feel like second nature. I was watching, when I used to watch a lot more self-improvement videos, I don't now because it's all the same kind of stuff, but when I used to watch them, um, there's a guy called Better Ideas and he used to speak about um, like willpower, for example. And he would talk about how um, when, when you're relying on willpower, you see things in a certain way. You see things in steps. So, for example, going to the gym is a good example because it's a, mostly a fitness podcast. When you think of going to the gym now, you don't think, OK, I have to wake up, shower, brush my teeth, pack my bag, choose the right clothes, um, choose the right time, make sure I've eaten at the right time. You don't really think of those things when you want to go to the gym. When you actually want to do it, you just wake up, you do everything you need to do, like the shower and everything that we've mentioned already, except you don't actually think consciously of those steps. You, you kind of just find yourself with the gym bag in your hand on your way to go because you want to do it. And if I find that if you actually want to do what you want to do, then you don't have to rely so much on willpower and you don't have to kind of think yourself into going, if that makes sense. Um, unless, of course, if you have any, you know, like when your mental health is a bit low, definitely that's when you need to kind of rely on willpower a bit more. But on average days, you know, choose something you like to do. And I find that that's way more useful, especially for beginners such intermediates. Once you've reached that phase where you're disciplined and you keep turning up, it's time to do what you enjoy to an extent. If you don't enjoy it, then you have to find ways of enjoying it. Otherwise, you'll be relying on willpower for the next 50 years in the gym, 50 years plus. And that's um, not a bad thing, of course, because your health is important. But it's going to be much harder to keep turning up if you don't actually enjoy it. So I guess you as a coach, you already know this, you know, you've seen the people who enjoy it more tend to do it more. Um, and those who don't enjoy it, but still turn up, will have more of those days where they just turn up, do the work, go home and be like, well, I'm glad that's over. So, you know, so, um, yeah, I mean, I always implore people, especially in the world of fitness, a lot of things work. 
you know, if you're consistent and you have the right coaches and the right nutrition, a lot of things work. There's no one size fits all approach to fitness and health in general. So find the one that you enjoy, get someone who can support you through that or a group of people that can support you through that. Do the basics correctly. And once you found something you enjoy, you won't have to rely on willpower as much. And that's a much more happier place to be than to force yourself every day to do something you don't want to do and rely on that willpower. Yeah, I think I think you've broken it down super well. I think there's only so much I can add. Um, what I would say is I have met, obviously I've met, a, I've had a lot of discussions being a personal trainer with people who come up to me and they, they'll tell me that maybe struggling with their health and fitness. They don't know why they can't just quote, you know, quote unquote, just follow, they can't just follow the plan. And uh, and then they'll look at other people who they see being incredibly consistent with their own fitness journey and be like, look at that person. He has a, they have amazing willpower. I don't know why I can't just be like that. Whereas what I've actually noticed, and I think what a lot of these people actually miss is that a lot of these people who you would look at and you'd think, okay, that person is like just very consistent with their own health and fitness journey is they actually optimize their environment. As you said, they optimize their environment to not have to rely on willpower as much. And I can actually... And you know, my as when you were speaking about it as well, my mind I, I had another flashback of uh, of a, actually a family member last year who told me they were struggling uh, with maybe with overeating, mm. and uh, and they just found they were eating a lot of junk food. And yeah. I, I'd been to that person's house, and in the middle of the dining room, and you know, this isn't me speaking about down about them in any way. You know, I've never someone to judge i'm just someone to help and that person obviously was speaking to me about how they could perhaps make some sort of changes and uh, but in the middle of their dining room their you know the bowl they had a massive bowl and it was full of junk food it was full of or highly palatable foods i would say you know foods high in sugar salt fat like crisps uh, and cookies and and donuts and and it was very easy to see why it was hard to 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 not overeat because you know yeah, it was exactly. right there in front of them in front of their eyes twenty four seven there wasn't any sort of barrier uh, between them uh, like you you can just it was just too easy to mindlessly grab and just shove into your mouth to put it like simply and you know I said I suggested I su- suggested how about you know, don't ban those completely because that's only going to work yeah. for so long. How about, you know, make it a little bit more challenging to get to. Don't have it right in front of you where it's so easy to mindlessly consume. How about you put it on the top shelf where you, the only way you can reach it is if you grab a step ladder, like a just a, a step, something to stand on, and then you go on there. So with that, you're making more of a conscious decision. It's not just easy to grab and put into your mouth. You have to consciously go and get the step you know then set it up and stand on it and then grab it and uh, so that was you know because like that the more the more steps you add to something the more you're going to question whether or not you really want something and then as well as that how about you then replace it with a fruit bowl so you put fruit in that bowl and so you you've not only eliminated it completely you've now like given yourself something else that's going to give you a much easier time um to because sometimes eliminating a habit completely can be quite tough uh, whereas replacing it with something else is easier so that's where my mind was going so you know fill it up with i don't know bananas kiwis oranges apples and uh and you know yeah first of all you're likely to overeat on them less and even if you do overeat on those there's worse things in the world to overeat on things. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so, so yeah, and uh, and that that worked very well. 
Yeah, and, and that's that's the thing. And that kind of links to something I think you posted actually not very long ago. You know, the idea of like good and bad foods. There, there isn't really such thing as an inherently good or bad food. Of course, everything in moderation. Um, of course, there are some foods that are easier to to um to damage yourself with. That's of, of course, but you don't need to necessarily eliminate everything that you deem bad, if that makes sense. It's just about moderation and, you know, as you said, making conscious decisions. Because a lot of the time when we quote unquote overeat, it's because it's not because of, you know, not because we're we're bad people who just are undisciplined and lazy and all these kind of things that people try to say. It's probably because the environment you've you've built is perfectly designed for that. Or of course if there's some other issue going on uh, mentally or something that's slightly different. But for those who aren't suffering from any um, conditions such, you know, that, that we know of, it's just because the environment is perfect for it. You know, even like us growing up, we, we, both, we both grew up in like inner city London. You know, there were definitely more chicken shops than there were gyms, for example. And that's not that's not to say chicken shops are bad or, or like, you know, fried chicken and chips every day is, is, is good either. But the, the environment is primed for you to, you know, after school, before you get home, you know, you run around twice, break time and lunchtime. Some of us were athletes, so we had like training after school and stuff like that. If you want a quick fix, you know, you just go to the, the the chip shop, grab some chips or some chicken. You know, back then it was cheap too. Nowadays, man. Yeah, nowadays, I, I'm not gonna lie, man. Uh, I haven't seen the prices for a while because obviously I've been, buy, I haven't I been in the that. UK since December 2021. Oh, fair. But even then, it was the prices were going up. You know. Um, yeah, they were. They you could get four wings and chips for a pound. Yeah, and and when you think about it, four wings, bro. That's like that's that's two chickens. You know what I mean? They yeah, for wings, and the chip the chips were in like a big box too. It was like, you know, it's it's the environment's perfect to to be able to eat in such a way. It doesn't mean that all these kids are lazy and unmotivated and don't know how don't have self control. It's like there's there are four different chip shops on the same on the same strip. You know what I mean? And it's right next to the school, and you can smell it as you're walking past. You know what I mean? That makes it much easier. So like it's the same mentality. Although we're adults now, adults are just grown kids. If that makes sense, we we're still the same people at our core. So we're still susceptible to to, to human behaviors. You know, if something is easily accessible, and you can't see the benefits or the drawbacks immediately, then yes, you're more likely to do it. So I do agree with you that priming your environment is better than you know just banning certain foods and saying oh, this is bad food because it leads to this. If that makes sense. Yeah. Of, of course, if you can control the portions, you can still eat what you want and and make your goals. And that's something that is very useful for beginners and intermediates, especially. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, people who are more advanced kind of know this already, um, especially the ones who are kind of familiar with the whole cutting and bulking cycle, if you want to do that. But people who are beginners or intermediates have been told, you know, put the cake away or something like that. And that's not necessarily how you get there. Um but yeah, I do agree. And that kind of links to the willpower thing as well. You know, you don't need willpower to go to the ship shop when there's four of them. You can just go in. You know, you need more willpower not to not to go in. Yeah, so yeah. You know? so yeah. that's just an example. Even when I was an athlete, I, I, I frequented chip shops almost every day. <laughs> so it's just, it's just kind of something that you have to um, kind of prime yourself for. Especially as an adult, you know, you kind of pick up on the same habits. No, I, I love the, the chicken and chip shop example growing up in inner city London, as you said, because that was actually something I went through. I remember when I think it was when I was 16 or 17. It was like towards maybe it was like year 11 or first year of sixth form. I can't remember too well now, but there was a chicken and chip shop. Uh, I think it was a 
I can't even remember what it wasn't a Morley's. Uh, mm. but it, it Dixie's maybe. It could have been, yeah. That was actually that was Chicken Cottage as well, and I, I used to go to that quite frequently. That was, as you said, like it wasn't an exaggeration. There was like four chicken shops, yeah, literally, right at the end of the street of my of my secondary school. Yeah, and and I remember it. I, I one I, I can't remember how this started, but I just got in a habit of every time school would finish, I would go to the chicken and chip shop after, and I I remember I was doing that consistently for a while where it got to the point where I think that was the first time in my life where I noticeably, I, I noticed I was like noticeably gaining some weight mm. to the point where I was like, okay, I wouldn't say I was overweight, but I was, I was maybe chubby. I could probably describe it as, and that's why I was like, okay, this is a lot of chicken and chips. Done. I'm <laughs> and you know, that's not to say that I, I as you said, that I couldn't have them, but the, the dose makes the poison. And I was definitely, you know, eat chicken and chips every day yeah that that's where you yeah. that's where it's a bit or if not every day at least most days and that's where it was definitely a, a bit much and um and yeah and that's where i started uh that's you know i think that's where me having that realization is where i started to start looking after my own health and fitness um but yeah yeah it was just a yeah it was hard to rely on any sort of I mean, maybe it wasn't hard or maybe it wasn't something that was crossing my mind. I don't even think I saw an issue in it at the time, but yeah, yeah it's just because there was, it was just the easiest go-to where yeah. Yeah. four chicken and chip shops down the road, everyone else was doing like, or most people were doing it, or at least the people I was speaking to, you know, you'd go buy the chicken and chip shop. It was cheap. It was affordable and it was, and the most important part, it was, it was delicious and it was just <laughs> easy to, to go for. And, uh, and uh, yeah, and it was, uh, and you know, I, I, it wasn't like even a, a fit. It was just like, yeah, I didn't. I just it was the easiest thing to go for, basically. So, yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Interestingly, it's interesting that you say it's year eleven slash first year of sixth form because I don't know how it was in your secondary school, but for us, we were allowed to go outside and eat lunch. Um, oh no, I around year eleven. That. Oh okay, yeah. So at the end of each day. Oh okay, fair. Because at year eleven. And first year sixth form, second year sixth form. That's when we were allowed to go out and eat um, lunch outside of the school, and that's usually when people realize how much um, junk food they're actually eating. Because at lunchtime, unless you brought your own packed lunch, where are you going to go to eat lunch? You either eat lunch in school, or you find somewhere quick to eat because you know lunch isn't isn't it doesn't last forever. You know, it lasts an hour or so or something. So again, kind of links to primary environment again. You know. Yeah, but yeah, it's an interesting one. Yeah. But, um, so how's how's your training going anyway? Because we haven't spoken enough about your training and and what's going on your side. A quick question: Which secondary school did you go to again? I know you told me before, but it slipped my mind. Um, Cardinal Pole, so okay. East London, East London. So you're, you're a South London guy, isn't it? So yeah, South London. Uh, my secondary school was a uh, Dunraven Streatham. Uh, if if you're if if anyone if you're listening and you're local then you'll know Dunraven. It, it didn't have a good reputation when I first started, but they, I remember whilst I was there they were trying to make a lot of effort to to change that. I don't know how it is nowadays, but yeah, it was a uh, it wasn't very good when I first started. It was just the most local one to me though. Uh, but uh, how's my own training going nowadays? Um, yeah, my own training is is a uh, it's it's going well. Like I would say, you know what? Interestingly, I think um. 
looking this is probably a phase where i've probably i'm probably the most exciting about my uh, excited about my resistance training than i have in a long time like i'm looking forward to literally every single session right now i don't know if it's a temporary it's, this is just going to be a temporary feeling probably but i think i would put that down to the fact that i'm probably resistance training the least weekly that i have in a long time and you know this might just be for now i might increase it again but i've only been going three times a week whereas i used to do six times a week that was when i first started and i didn't know that that was probably too much for me then i i went down to five then i went down and then i've been doing four for a long time and recently i i I, uh went down to three and uh i say i've been resistance training the least i have each week Uh, i do three consistently without fail but i've actually been doing the most exercise i've ever been doing and that's why i decreased my resistance training frequency because i started doing jujitsu about two months ago oh awesome yeah yeah it's been it's been amazing and i'm going there i'm trying to go like three or four times a week to that like that's my new obsession right now and i find that when i finish like bjj like i'm exhausted (laughs) yes the condition is insane yeah it's insane because you know you know i think it's hard to imagine how exhausting it must be if you've never done it before but it's just the fact that you know you've got a fully you know you've got an adult who is consciously like trying because it's a grappling sport it's not striking they're trying to control you well you know using i i guess i i say I was going to say strength, but you know, I, the the higher belt you are, it's not so much strength; it's more technique they're using, and yeah. you know, you're trying to resist that, and uh, and it's just very easy to just, uh, you know, it, it gets tiring when you're repeatedly doing that back to back to back to back for like an hour and an hour and a half, and I come out feeling shattered, and I quickly realized I was like, my training needs to adjust. Like, I, I can't keep going yeah. a week to the uh, resistance training to the gym and four days a week to bjj maybe down the line i can maybe when i i get more used to i, I get maybe used to it and and i i learn the techniques more efficiently um but yeah for now yeah I, I just could see an overuse injury potentially occurring and i've had those before and i don't want to get them again so uh three times a week you know i'm i'm still happy with that and um, it might not be the best progress I've ever made in, within the gym, but, you know, I'm, I'm making more than enough. And again, my biggest priority right now is uh, just, a, I don't even want to say a blue belt in Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu because I've just started, but, you know, just turning up. Oh, why not, man? Yeah, Honestly, just, why not? Don't, don't be afraid to say that your goal is to be a blue belt, man. That yeah, yeah, obviously that is you the goal. Yeah, yeah, I just want to, you know, keep focusing on, on turning up weekly and... Uh, and, yeah yeah because it's honestly when i started i was like oh wow like this this is this is fun and uh, i really love yeah. the community aspect to it as well especially as someone who works freelance and by themselves so the community was something i was really looking for and and so i've ticked both those boxes with the enjoyment and community and, and the, the conditioning part and um and yeah and uh, now it's just something I'm, I'm i'm going to all the time so yeah that's, that's awesome so, so how have you found um learning something from scratch again because you've been in the gym for a long time you've been coaching for quite a while how have you found allowing yourself to to be rubbish at something again and starting from scratch have you uh, have you enjoyed the process of being a beginner again or something yeah yeah i'm a complete beginner yeah so yeah it's i i, I like it i like it it's yeah, like it's, i was in that way as well because obviously i've been i'm still going with my japanese i wouldn't say i'm um i'm probably I'm, I'm right now to be honest i'm slacking with it a bit i used to i used to do quite a lot with italki lessons and and then like weekly calls with some friends 
Uh, right now, the only thing I've really been doing is uh, Duolingo, but that's just because I've had a lot going on. Um, but I definitely plan to, to get it. But yeah, so the Japanese, I was a complete beginner in that for a while. Um, but obviously, I've I've been making slight improvements there. Um, I say slight because I, I just it's easy to feel like you're never progressing in something like that <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. until you look back. But uh, yeah, with the BJJ, so obviously, I'm a complete beginner again in that. And it's fun. It's nice. I like it. And I think that was something I, I was looking for as well, in a way. Um, like, I don't even want to say humbling because I knew I, I kind of yeah, expected yeah, yeah, yeah. straight away when I started, like, honestly, you know, I've, I start, I've started doing some sparring. Obviously they go easy on me, like the black belts and the brown belts. It's not like a question of whether I'm not, I'm going to keep up with them. It's my goal. This is, this is, this is what I aim for when I go to jujitsu. It's okay. I know for a fact that this person who's dedicated 10 years of their life to doing Brazilian jiu-jitsu is going to kick my ass so yeah, yeah, yeah I'm not going to go in and try and beat this person I'm going to go in and try and delay how long it takes them for me to tap out and that's right. it. um and that's it so if last week it took them 20 seconds this week I'm going to go for like 25 and for me that's not, that's the type of progress I'm looking for right now and um it's fun but you know one thing I will say is it's, it's crazy that what some of these people can do and like it's very I, I can guarantee you like in day-to-day life it's very easy to look at some people and think ah, oh, that person can't, probably couldn't do much like mm. and then you've like and they're like a killer with their hands it's 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 crazy what some yeah. people can do um even like even some of the blue belts. So if someone's listening yeah. and you don't know the order, so it goes white belt, blue belt, per, uh, no white belt, blue belt, purple belt, brown belt, brown. and then black belt. Yeah. And then even you can even go beyond black belt. Yeah, um, red belt. I think red belt is. There's a red belt. So yeah, yeah. and like uh, and then you can get like a uh, degrees like so for each one and uh, and yeah. Exactly. Um, and then I think when you get nine degrees or ten, I think it's nine. You go to the next one to to I think to red. Uh, so yeah, it's just even but even a blue belt like some of them is just like yeah they, um, yeah it's like a, they already know way more than the average person. Yeah, and it's crazy how much of a difference it can make just knowing how to 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 just do some of those like locks and and chokeholds and yeah it's it's fun though I really like it and um yeah. Um, again, I don't think humbling is the right word just to summarize the question, but it, it's it's been it's been fun, and I'm really looking to forward to making progress in it. Great, man! I'm I'm actually looking forward to hearing how that goes. So I'll I'll try and um, check in on that every now and again. Yeah, uh, interesting with BJJ. I actually went to a BJJ competition. Uh, I think it was the sun. It was either last Saturday or the Saturday before last. Because um, my friend competes in BJJ as a blue belt, and he competed at um at University of East London. Oh, nice! Yeah, it's a couple of weeks ago. Actually, there were a few there were a few people there who were black belts as well, and you know, a, a few of my friends do BJJ, so they kind of knew a few people there. And it was very. We have a mutual friend who does BJJ. We we may do yes. Yeah, we might. I think we do, Cameron. I think he yeah, does yeah, BJJ. Yeah, yeah. I, think... I know he does a martial art. Yeah, he, he does. He's, he's start, he started doing he started doing Brazilian Jiu Jitsu. Yeah, Cameron. He does, mm. yeah. he does BJJ at the moment, um, and he's enjoying it quite a lot as well. Uh, but yeah, he's, he's 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 based a bit further out. He's not based in London, so yeah, I, I would like to see him him roll around one day as well out there. But yeah, I was at a competition at, um, at East London uh, University of East London, and it was very interesting because there's this feeling that 99 percent of the people in that room could probably fold you like a pretzel if they wanted to, and it doesn't matter if they're six years old, sixty years old. It doesn't matter if they're one fifty kg or fifteen kg. 
99% of the people in that room could probably fold you in half if they wanted to. It doesn't then it was very interesting. It's very different environment-wise from the gym as well. When I was at the Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu competition, um, my friend Rafael was competing. He came second in the tournament, actually. So congrats to him. Um, there was a different feeling, a different aura in the gym compared to um, in the competition in the in the hall, because there was just air, this aura of respect everywhere. Everyone was just extremely respectful, and I used to be a triple jumper nationally back in the day. And the area was filled of, you know, um, testosterone-filled egos and, and you know, trash talk and stuff like that. And in the gym, as you could imagine, you do get that kind of a feeling sometimes. Very rare, actually. Most gym people are quite friendly. But within the strength side of things, you do get a few people who are a bit more, you know, ego-driven. And I guess that's when, yeah, yeah, when you get to, like... Uh, when competitive. You're... Yeah, the competitive. Exactly. So yeah. the competitive, the, the casual scene is very friendly. I found with the gym. I, I think it's like one of the most welcoming places. It's, it's the, the most walk. It's the most welcoming space I've been in. Is the casual gym environment. I've been in spaces that you'd you'd think are much friendlier. For example, uh, mathematics in the academic space, you'd think that it's super super friendly because everyone just nerds who love maths. But it's not actually like that. There is a competitive drive towards it. People ask, "What school did you go to?" or you know that kind of thing to try and fill you out. But in the gym, the environment for the casual side of things, just going to the gym now, for example, the environment, the environment's very friendly and welcoming. But in the competitive space, it it can be quite ego driven, and you know, yeah, it's, I guess part of the, it's sport. It's just sport. Yeah, when 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 com- when uh, I guess prize prizes on the line and stuff. Exactly. Yeah. But uh, but yeah, but no, even, even casual gyms, and even you know, I've been to some top bodybuilders' gyms, and I find they're really friendly as well. Yeah, um, yeah. As long as there's no competition or, or prize money <laughs> on the line, everyone is really friendly, which is which is true, uh, but usually in the competitive space, it's a bit less friendly, which is expected. That's how sports is in general. Yeah, however, yeah. however, when I was at this Brazilian jiu-jitsu competition, it was a competition. It was quite high level as well. Loads of black belts and loads of coaches who have been coaching black belts for a while. But even in the competitive um, scene and in the competitive environment, it was still extremely respectful very respectful after each fight people would bow and shake hands and then they'll go on to the next person wish them good luck and these are people who have literally been trained to again fold people in half and i found that it's a very um different environment to be in, especially coming from as i consume a lot of like american powerlifting and american powerlifting competitions they're they're a lot more ego driven there's a lot of trash talk it's nowadays it's becoming more similar to how like basketball or the nfl is where some characters are known more for you know the trash talk than the actual performance sometimes but that, there was none of that at the BJJ competition. Everyone was just like really friendly. And this is in a competitive environment. People are literally being thrown and rolled around and being bent into all kinds of shapes. But people are still extremely friendly. And it did remind me of the gym environment, actually. Like if I were to go into the gym now, I could nod my head at anybody. And they'll nod back, say, how are you or something? Or, you know, we're very respectful when asking to use certain weights or something like that. So it was the first time I was in a competitive environment that reminded me of the friendliness of the gym. And I think the thing that's in common is that there is an understanding that we're all here to do more or less the same thing. And most of us are here for a similar reason. And most of us have a capability that maybe the average person may not have. In Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, for example, you know, as you said, on the street, you won't really know who can do Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu or not. And I guess in the gym is a bit more obvious. But there's still that feeling of, okay, these people are some of the strongest people in the community or the most healthiest, or maybe not the healthiest all the time, because, you know, but on average, 
a gym goer who goes to the gym very regularly will be on average more healthy. Hmm. And there's that feeling of community, as you said, where everyone in the area is doing the same thing for mostly the same reasons. And there's a feeling of respect around that, which is something that I didn't expect at a competition in jiu-jitsu. I expected it in training or in the dojo. I don't know if the dojo is the right word. You, you clearly hear my experience with fighting sports here. But um, yeah, I, I really liked that. And I thought that's that's a bit different. It actually inspired me to want to go and do some grappling myself. So now I'm thinking when my shoulder heals, I'll do some wrestling. I know mm. wrestling, is, um, wrestling is very different to jiu-jitsu because um, wrestling is more about you know, um, takedowns and being able to kind of um, manipulate the body and, and get people into positions similar to jiu-jitsu. But I feel like jiu-jitsu is more about similar, like there are takedowns and stuff, but it's more about you know, putting people in certain positions and certain um, holds and submissions and stuff like that. It's a bit different, but it has inspired me to kind of go and do a combat sport and know that I'll be okay. And if you're asking how this links to gym, it's, it's quite similar to how it links to gym. Because when a beginner goes to the gym for the first time, it's very scary. But then as they kind of continue going to the gym, being consistent, they realize that it's an environment that's safe for them for the most part. For mo- hopefully it's safe for the most part. And it's a very similar similar mentality. So, yeah, I mean, if an environment seems scary at first, it's the first time I've been to a jiu-jitsu competition. I was thinking, man, there's probably going to be some like scary people here who look at you in a certain way and you can't even do anything because you're like, oh, boy, let me not cause any trouble because this guy can flip me in, <laughs> in 50 different ways. But it's not like that at all. You know, everyone just has an area of respect. And partly because obviously you don't know who's who. You know, you, <laughs> you might start with the wrong person, and of course, but that'll never happen. And the gym is quite similar. When you go to the gym, all these like people who you big who you think are big and freakish, most of them are just really friendly people who have just been going to the gym for a long time. They're not they're not gonna like try and hurt you or something like that because they're bigger or or because they're more athletic and they they'll use it for the right reasons, which is why they've been turning up consistently for so long. Yeah. That's why I made that point because, you know, again, a lot of beginners and intermediates may be quite intimidated by the gym, especially the free weights area where all the weights are, where all the people are. But, you know, if you go there with, with a partner or with a group of people, you'll find it. It's, it's quite a nice environment to be in. Yeah, no, it's a, it's a, it's a great one. I uh, Definitely competing is something I eventually want to do myself. Like that's a, It wasn't a re- initially when I first started. Like I just wanted to know it for self-defense. <clears throat> But now uh, I've been in that environment more, I'm, I would love to do my own competition eventually, or I mean, uh, attend a competition. And uh, I, I was thinking, oh, let me, like, I'll give it a while, maybe go when I'm a blue belt or something. But uh, I was given a, a bit of advice recently that I thought actually makes a lot of sense, which was just, you know, I think maybe, I can't remember the exact timeline. I think it was a like six to nine months after starting and you know assuming that i'm going consistently i was recommended to do my first tournament within that time uh, because at the end of the day they're only going to put me with other white belts who are at a similar body weight and the reason the thought process behind that was because if you do want to enter competition then the higher the belt up that you start at so it's going to be more it's, it's just going to be even tougher yes and uh, and and yeah and it like I don't want to say intimidating, but I guess for someone who's never gone, it can feel maybe yeah. overwhelming in a way. Um, so I get it's, they were just advising. I, I get that experience under my belt now, and the sooner I, I get that experience under my belt, the better it will, it will you know, translate over uh, when I, I, you know, I, I do go up in in um, in belt. Um, so yeah, I'm gonna hopefully aim for my first one sometime between I don't know. Uh, maybe uh, july and november 
Yeah. But let's see. Depends what's going on as well. I stro- I strongly recommend um, competing. I'd love it. I've never I experienced it before or strongly. like even been to it. So it, it would be an yeah. awesome experience. I would just try and find something here in Portugal. Yeah, uh, I so, recommend it. Um, like even with, even with powerlifting, for example, I've always wanted to compete in powerlifting. But I always had this idea in my head that I have to be at a certain level to be able just to compete. And that mentality is the reason why I haven't powerlifted in a competition yet. And I've been powerlifting training, let's say, for a couple of years now. And if I had just gone to a competition six months after I started proper powerlifting, or no, I've never started power, proper powerlifting training. But if I started strength training and then six months later I said, right, I'm just going to sign up for a competition and go, whatever happens, happens. I would probably be competing at a much higher level now. Or, but now I'm not competing at all. And I think partly because I had this idea that I had to be at a certain level to do it. And you know, if I go and compete now, I might come last or I might lose. And it's like, oh, yeah, that's most beginners, even advanced people have lost before, you know. Um, I forgot what the quote is. I think it's the master has failed more than the beginner has even tried. And that kind of applies here. You know, if you start as a beginner and compete within six months, yeah, you might you might not win everything, but that's experience under your belt. It's better to do it now as a white belt than when you're a brown belt and you're going against brown belts who have been competing for a bit longer, for example. It's better just to start early. And I think um, I got that slightly wrong with powerlifting. But I guess with music, I play the bass guitar. I'm trying to gig as soon as possible to get the experience of gigging. Even though I'm not super advanced, I want to gig just to get the experience and to know how it feels to perform in front of an audience, get an idea of how, how I can adjust on stage if needs be, get a feel of using equipment that isn't uh, regulated for me, for example, and things like that. Because when I practice, of course, I'm using equipment that isn't mine when I go to studios. But on stage, it's completely different because you have to change the setup for a lot of things and you have to work with an engineer and all these kinds of things. But I'm not wasting time to, to go and, and and do a gig. And the same thing goes with competing. You know, If you find that competing isn't for you and you just want to do self-defense like in a, in a scenario where it might be required, that's perfectly fine. But how would you know unless you go and compete whilst you're still learning, if that makes sense? And that's definitely the mentality that I've taken into music. And I wish I took into, into the gym. Um, but yeah, it's a very good point that you've made about, um, about just like wanting to compete and being not intimidated, but overwhelmed. And to be honest, you could be intimidated as well. Again, it's, it's a combat sport. And so intimidation is normal. In fact, it's probably a good thing because mm-hmm. it lets you know that there is a barometer of, 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 you have a sense of danger, which, you know, we're human beings. We have a sense of danger. Inherently, we have a sense of danger. So if you don't feel that sense of danger, I'll be a bit more worried. I'll be more worried if you said you wasn't um, intimidated or overwhelmed at all. It's just it is what it is. I'll be more worried because then that means you don't actually know the magnitude of what you're about to go into, if that makes sense. So, yeah, these are all, for me, I feel that they're, they're very positive things to feel. I think you, you do need to have that slight, not fear, but a positive anxiety around it is, is always is always a good approach to competition in general yeah yeah for sure but yeah we've uh i think it's been nearly an hour if i'm not wrong was there anything yeah. else you wanted to touch on before I, I potentially wind it down um last time we spoke um it was just before the world cup oh yeah, so how, was, how, yeah. how did you how did you find the world cup um from portugal and england's perspective That's from portugal i think Oh, it's faded from my memory a bit now. I can't even remember. I know England got knocked out by France. I can't remember who they played beforehand. Uh, I think France is a very respectable team to get knocked out by. It's fair enough. Uh, it was very close as well. It was a very close game. I watched that game. Um, 
whether or not Southgate is the right person to continue in charge, I guess that's like a, yeah. a whole other subject in itself. I, I personally feel like he's got his favourites and kind of like that's kind of it. And then he's not really looking beyond that. Yeah. Um, uh, like I'm speaking like nowadays. And uh, and then Portugal was, it was uh, to just get knocked out by Morocco, who, you know, was, Morocco were, of course, an amazing team. And uh, they did very well. And they, they, they seemingly continuing to do very well. Uh, they just beat Brazil recently at the time of recording this. Uh, yeah. International friendly. Yeah. Um, but, you know, Portugal, For I think, you know, everyone knows that Portugal should be expected to beat Morocco. So it, it was it was poor. And to be honest, I don't think we really ever played super convincingly for quite a while before, even before and during that World Cup. So I'm really happy that the manager uh, went... Uh, they, I think he left by mutual, like it was a mutual agreement, and uh, and we've got a new one in. And uh, whether or not I think the new one is questionable is another subject on himself. Roberto <laughs> Martinez, um, but yeah, no, I'm 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 happy that we've got a new manager. It was really time for something new because I think for a long time Portugal, I think we had been very lucky for a long time, and I don't think we were ever looking super, con- or very rarely did we play super convincingly for such a, a very good team of players that Portugal has. Yeah, to be honest, I think Portugal actually, on paper, look very strong. Very strong. So, re- recently, maybe not recently, but since the days of like uh, guys like Deco and stuff like that, you know, it's, it's, been a, it's been a different kind of era. It's been like the, the Ronaldo show. But I found yeah. that nowadays, it's not, that's not the case nowadays. Nowadays, there are some really good pieces and with the right manager who can bring out the right footballing philosophy, I definitely think Portugal could, could challenge again. Oh, for sure. Yeah. The thing is with Cristiano Ronaldo, he start when he first started his career in the national team, we had a very strong team back then between yes. like 04, 06. Uh, so I'm going quite far back and, um, and, uh, and then, and then, the national team, the quality of it dropped quite a lot between like yes, 08 exactly. until like 08 until like 2014. Uh, you could even say 2016. I feel like oh, that's what I was about to say. 2016 we, was we won the tournament, but yeah, honest, but it wasn't... that was a lot of luck. Yes, uh, yes. A, a Portuguese guy. That was a lot of luck. Even 2016. If you look at the team that starts in the final, it, it's a it, it's such a poor team. Like it, it's not quality. Um, yeah, it's a solid team. It's a even I would look at it, I'm just like, oh, that team, like, I was just like, I remember that team was just frustrating to watch a lot. We got really lucky. But yeah, so for like eight years, which is obviously the chunk of like Ronaldo's, like a, a big chunk of Ronaldo's career. So he primed when the national team was at its worst. And yes, then exactly. now the national team is starting to get really strong again is obviously where he's near retirement now. So uh, it was a, it was just a, it was a too, too early or too late for one gener- golden generation and then too early for the other and I got that mixed up I think no too early for one gener- uh, golden generation and too late for the other something like that but yeah basically he missed out on two golden generations uh, and, and and primed uh, maybe when we were at our worst and to, yeah and to be fair for a long time he did carry us like for a long time uh, he he yeah he, he got us through a lot um, like I'm even having flashbacks of so many goals that he scored that uh, just allowed us to progress even further within um, within certain moments. But yeah, and uh, but yeah, now we've got a really good team, honestly. Yeah, honestly, on paper, 
Uh, Portugal has a, a really strong team. Like I, I went to watch them live the other day. It was only against Liechtenstein, which was obviously like, it, it's more of a question of how many goals are we going to win by? Like, would you respect? Like, yeah, it wasn't, a, it's not a very fair matchup. Um, but yeah, it was a, just looking at each individual name on paper. It was just like, yeah, this team, there's no reason why it shouldn't be aiming to win tournaments now, even or at least get to semi-finals and finals. Yeah, I think all that's missing is a good manager. Like even that 2016 team that you were talking about, it wasn't it wasn't a bad team. It was a solid team, but it's not it, a team that you expect to win. The yeah, 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 yeah. It was a. Uh, but even then, like I remember looking at it and like guys like Nani and Quaresma and I think even Ricardo Cavallo were all in that. And you know they were all good players in their day, but that when that 2016, they were all way past their prime. Exactly, exactly. They were yeah, all way past their prime. And uh, there's a few other guys that I can't remember now, but um, like I, I'd have to pull it up in front of me. But yeah, it was a uh, the World Cup was a uh, it was it was it was it was otherwise aside from that, it was it was a fun watch. It was like a, a lot yeah. of upsets, and I I really like underdog stories and stuff, which is uh, why I'm excited for the the Champions League uh, nowadays. Yes. Well, at the time yes, of recording yes. this, because uh, this the the quarterfinals were drawn like I think one or two weeks ago. Yeah, uh, you know, one bracket is like got a lot of underdogs in and then the other bracket is like all the elite European yeah. teams. So there's going to be at least one massive underdog in the Champions League final, which is, uh, as a sports fan, that's always good to see. Yeah, everyone likes an underdog story, to be honest. So, yeah. yeah. I agree. Yeah, I, I quite enjoyed watching the World Cup. Um, I spent some of that time in Turkey um, watching in like Turkish pubs and stuff. It was quite a, a good environment. Um, I watched the England game against France in, in a pub and the environment was, was quite nice. A couple tables full of English fans. No French fans, interestingly. But yeah, it was a good... Overall, it was a good watch. And as you said, a lot of upsets. I was quite surprised to see how far certain teams went. I was thinking, this is interesting. Like Some teams were playing some really good football. And I'm thinking, I guess that's maybe the internet age combined with just general knowledge of football being the biggest sport in the world. Eventually, the gap between the top teams and the bottom teams will close up. True. But it seemed to have closed up so quickly. You know, I was, yeah, watching, I was watching Saudi Arabia and stuff were playing really good football. I was thinking, wow, this is different. But well, now the next World Cup is uh, they're increasing it from thirty-two teams to I think forty-eight. Okay. Yeah, they've increased it. Yeah, they've increased it moving forward. So it's no longer going to be 32 team tournaments. It's going to be 48. So now that there might be that obvious gap in quality again with that. Maybe, maybe. Yeah. So yeah, that's that's where my goes. So, but um, I guess time will tell. That's why now moving forward, I don't think you're going to see many like just one country hosting it. It's always going to be like a combination, two or three countries. Oh, okay. All the all the all the bids for the 2026 World Cup's been decided. It's going to be a in Mexico, USA, and Canada. So it's across... Oh, so just North America, America, basically. Yeah. But, and then uh, they're doing bidding for 2030 right now. And I don't... If I'm not wrong, if I'm... I think there's not one single bid where it's just one country. It's like all... Right. Uh, for example, Yeah, Portugal, Spain, and Morocco have done a joint bid. Oh, okay. That's yeah. interesting. That's, I, I quite that's, like that's that one. Slightly, I, I quite like that one as well. I mean, of course... Yeah, you would, as a, as a <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But that's quite interesting. Yeah, what? it's quite a good one. That's slightly different from the North America thing because I guess with North America it's all That's... in the same continent if you know what I mean the well, continent of North America but Morocco yeah. is over the seas isn't it but I mean it's not a big difference it's it's, it's 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 over the sea but it's it's very close very Spain. close very yeah. close even to Portugal uh, so yeah it's very close and it it makes sense there's a lot of shared history as well between the countries yes definitely uh, so there's that uh, the other 
bids are it's a, it's a part it's like a joint south america bid and can't I, I might get this wrong it's like a uruguay argentina chile and one more maybe paraguay i might have got that wrong uh so yeah there's like a, a, a joint four there and then the last one and uh and then i think the third one is a a joint bid with uh, greece greece saudi arabia and egypt i think Oh, okay, that one's very random. I think I, I might got that up. wrong. It's definitely Greece and, and Saudi Arabia. I can't remember. I think the third one is Egypt, but I'm not certain again. That's that's very interesting. But yeah, that one is is probably the most random. Yeah. Oh, the maybe there is a logical link that I'm maybe. just aware of. But, yeah, maybe I'll yeah. just yeah. Yeah. So I guess I'm... I guess all three of those. So did you say Greece, Saudi Arabia, and Egypt? Yeah. You know what? Let me Google it now. Yeah. If so, that can make sense because those three were like very big kingdoms back in the day so they have like a historic meaning there in terms of kingdom size back in the day but <laughs> i don't know if that's enough to yeah egypt greece and saudi arabia and that's then uh, the south american one is uruguay argentina paraguay and chile okay well good memory yeah yeah, yeah that's interesting are, i guess they did, they the did have big kingdoms like the kingdom of saudi arabia is huge um egypt as you know the ancient egypt had a big a big influence on on the ancient world and Greece, of course, you know, Greece, ancient Greece as well. So maybe that's the thing that they have in common. Location wise, they're not too far apart as well, actually. Now that I think about it, but yeah, it's still a bit random, though. <laughs> I think that's still quite random. Yeah, yeah. I, I obviously maybe I am. I'm probably being biased. I really like the sound of a, a Spain, Portugal, Morocco one. Though. I think that I think the the final would be played in Madrid. Uh, okay, yeah. To be fair, it sounds good because Spain, Portugal, Morocco have quite, as you said, shared history, and also they're very big footballing nations as well. So yeah, 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 yeah. Well, yeah, South. I, I guess the South American South American teams, teams yeah, could true, definitely yeah. argue the same. Yeah, true. Um, but yeah, this was a this was a fun chat. Where do, I I don't know if you want to like share any of your social media or anything. Now we're at the end of this episode. Um. Yeah. Sure. Um. I only really use Instagram here and there. I don't use it that much, but um, it's the Wizard of Az with an S at the end, um, and that's that's about it to be honest. Um, oh. I don't have any other other social media at the moment. Okay, but... I'll I'll link that in the show notes of this podcast episode. Okay, that'd, that'd be great. Yeah, I'll just link it at the bottom your uh, your Instagram if if that's what you want, and uh, yeah, yeah, if you're sure. listening from a uh, as I would side. Uh, you can follow me at Leo Alves PT. Alves is spelled A L V E S. Leo Alves PT. I'll put that in the show notes as well. And uh, but yeah, otherwise, again, thank you very much for coming on, bro. It was a it was a fun chat. Yeah, man, always a pleasure. Time always does. And uh, we'll get another one in someday, maybe towards the end of this year. And, yeah. Uh, yeah, I'll see you around, bro. Yeah, see you around, man. It's good to always nice to speak to you. And I hope everyone listening has a great a great week and they take care of themselves. That wraps it up for another episode of the Leo Alves podcast. I do hope you enjoyed listening to this episode. If you did, then please do consider sharing it with your friends, family, group chat, or even anyone else who you know could be interested in listening to that episode. Otherwise, if you haven't already, then please do leave a five-star review on whichever platform you are listening to this on. And remember, all the relevant links, such as the inquiry form to potentially become a Keros Online member, my social media handles, a free fat loss guide, and a free workout plan are all also found in the show notes of this podcast episode as well. Otherwise, take care and I'll see you around.